time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for Tech Tuesday. Welcome back to Tech Tuesday. I'm Myla Wong. My name is Raj Shroff, and I'm a director of applied AI research at Blue Artificial Intelligence. So researchers with an app developer called Musk said iPhone apps like X or Twitter and Facebook are collecting user data with push notifications. So how does that work, and why is this problematic? The problem being raised here with Musk's report is that popular social media apps are using a loophole in Apple's iOS ecosystem to collect much more data about iPhone users than is actually necessary. Now, these social media companies, from LinkedIn to Facebook, that are highlighted in this report, have said that they find the report to be inaccurate and actually claim that they're not doing anything wrong. But then everybody says that. Let's talk about how they do it first. How can they collect our data just by using push notifications? Yeah. So apps like LinkedIn, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. Every time you interact with a notification, they're actually making an API call to Apple to get some information about your phone. They're taking advantage of a loophole in Apple's development ecosystem to use push notifications as a vehicle to bypass standard data collection guidelines and rules, and just collect as much data about the phone and the phone's user as possible. I heard that they can do it even though the apps are not open on the iPhone. Yeah, so that's what makes this even more powerful. Normally, if you close an app, you expect it to not give up data about you. But then, if an app can learn about you even when you're not using the app, it's actually a great way for them to harvest data. And what kind of information are they collecting? Is it sensitive or personal? Well, here's where it where it gets a little bit interesting. They're allegedly collecting data related to user analytics for advertisement targeting, for example. Some of this data they're collecting includes things like IP addresses, the amount of memory space you have on your phone, what time zone are you in, who is your mobile service provider, and even what is the display brightness setting on your phone. The data collected can seem quite useless at first glance. But if we dive deeper, it's actually the combination of data they're collecting that's quite valuable. Because if I combine a lot of data that I collect about you and your phone, it makes it easier for a social media company to identify specific people by identity, or at least determine important aspects of that person, such as where are they located, what is their behavior when they're browsing on their phone. And this is valuable because it allows me, as a company, to target you with advertising a lot better when you do start using the app again. So some of the apps said they didn't misuse people's information. What did they collect the data for? There's a few theories around this. One theory is that there was a historical bit of code written in these apps where they would collect as much data as possible, but they're not actually using the data they collect. Another explanation is that they're just collecting as much data as they can, keeping it and trying to figure out how it can be useful in the future at some point. You said this bypassed Apple's、um, data collection policy. So, what's the company's reaction to all this? Officially, Apple hasn't said much, at least not that I'm aware of. But there is an upcoming update to the iOS operating system that might fix this situation. So, sometime this spring, in a few months. App developers for Apple will be required to explain why and how they're requesting access to user data. 
This could incentivize them to collect less data in the future. So, in the meantime, what should iPhone users do? Well, actions like turning off notifications, deleting Facebook, signing out of all social media—these are all options that some people recommend, but none of them are really realistic. When we think about what data we're giving up, we might be incentivized to change our app's privacy settings or change our phone's privacy settings to disable data collection where it's possible, or even cut down on the usage of specific apps and uninstall them. But ultimately, giving up our data is hard to avoid, especially since we run most of our lives through our phones. And these apps are free for a reason. If we're not paying for the product, it's because we are the product. So all we can do is take some small steps to safeguard our personal data. So recently, there are lots of AI altered ads impersonating the UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. We're talking about around 150 ads on Facebook in the last month alone. Is it weird we are seeing such a large-scale deepfake campaign featuring a politician? People have actually predicted this for a couple of years because deepfake production quality is becoming better and more believable. So these deepfake ads against、uh, Rishi Sunak have reached over 400,000 people on Facebook, and one of the deepfake videos actually featured a BBC newsreader falsely claiming that a corruption scandal has erupted around the prime minister. Now let's take a step back and consider how many of our own friends and family. Rely on Facebook and social media to get their news, or at least part of their news. At least in my personal circle, it's not a small number, and we may not be aware that it was later exposed as fake news. And this just goes to show that using AI to mislead people is getting easier and easier, and it's actually big business. So people who vote based on what they see on social media can be swayed by these deepfake ads. So as a society, we should just be aware that these deepfakes exist and will only become more common over time. As many elections are happening this year, do you think we're going to see a lot more deepfakes pretending to be politicians? And what are the experts saying? Yeah, that's a great point. And、uh, in my view, most experts are pessimists, and they're saying that we're going to see a lot of political fake news that can mislead the public before a big election. And they're not entirely wrong. It's election season in the U.S., for example, with general elections scheduled for November. But right now, individual states within the U.S. are voting for the Democratic, Republican presidential nominees who are going to run in the general election. And just last week, there was an AI-generated automatic phone call pretending to be President Joe Biden going out to the people in the state of New Hampshire. And telling them, "Don't vote in the New Hampshire primary election, but save your vote for me for the general election in November." Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect Donald Trump again. Your vote makes a difference in November, not this Tuesday. Obviously, President Biden never said this. It was an AI-generated fake. Now, I would not be surprised if we see more of this sort of AI trickery as the general election draws closer, not only in the U.S. but also in places like India.、Right. But I'm an optimist, and I would like to point out the positive applications of AI-generated videos, other than things like misleading the public and promoting investment scams. For example, the Argentinian president Javier Milei recently delivered a very popular speech at the World Economic Forum in Davos. But the speech was in、uh, Spanish. But what people did was use an AI tool called HeyGen, 
and they used this tool to translate his speech from Spanish to English and regenerate the entire video to make it look like President Millet was speaking in English using his own voice. And the quality of the video, although it was a deep fake, was almost perfect in terms of the president's lip movements to match the English words that he didn't really speak. So this kind of positive application could allow political candidates, um, business leaders, and even celebrities to reach a wider audience and spread their message both in their own country and even across the world. It's good to know that、um, deepfakes can be used in a positive way, but what about the ones created by bad actors? How hard is it for online platforms to remove them quickly? I mean, YouTube recently said it deleted more than a thousand videos using AI to make celebrities promote scams, but I think there are still many more on the video platform. Yeah, you raise a good point. And YouTube and Facebook—they're in this never-ending race to take down fake videos as quickly as possible. But they're also quite experienced in doing this. In fact, Facebook did take down all of the deepfake advertisements about the UK Prime Minister, but did they act too late? Now, the challenge here is that as the quality of deepfakes gets better and better, we're going to see a huge flood of these fake videos posted online. Platforms like Facebook will have to improve their deepfake detection speed and take down these fake videos before a large number of people see them. Now they are working on automatic ways to detect deepfakes, but then as the deepfakes get better, even the detection tools need to get better just as quickly. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration recently gave its permission for doctors to use an AI-powered device to help them detect skin cancer. Rush, can you tell us how that works? Sure. So this device works almost like most medical handheld scanners. So the basic process of how the device is used is that first the doctor identifies a potentially cancerous skin lesion on a patient without using AI, just using old-fashioned diagnostics and his or her expert knowledge. And then once you identify this、uh, skin lesion that could be cancerous, the derma sensor device is used to scan the lesion, and an AI algorithm assesses the lesion in real time and tries to figure out how should the doctor deal with this. So the device either notifies a doctor to investigate the lesion further, saying this is a cause for concern, or it might recommend to simply monitor the lesion for now because it's not changing or not growing into something that could be a threat. How much of help can AI be in detecting other diseases apart from skin cancer? Well, the tools are getting better. AI software is being used to analyze medical images such as X-rays and CT scans, or even MRI images. And even diagnose things like eye conditions, like diabetic retinopathy, which is a kind of progressive blindness you suffer from if you're diabetic. And this is being done not only in the developed world, but also in developing parts of India, for example, where it's not easy for you to go see a doctor and see a doctor quickly. Do you think human assessment will still be necessary going forward? Yes, it's absolutely going to be necessary. The technology is still developing. And it's just simply the latest tool that doctors can use. So the human doctor will still be the most important part of the diagnostics and patient care processes going forward, at least for the foreseeable future. Now, doctors can use common sense and expertise to deal with uncommon situations, and human beings can be held accountable for their decisions, whereas a technology tool or an app cannot be held accountable. 
And I think most importantly, we tend to trust human beings more than we trust machines. So would you trust an app that diagnosed you with a specific illness? Personally, I would want to speak with a human doctor instead.